0: Blog Talk Radio Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sampeete is sponsored by Blue Haven NYC in Greenwich Village New York City's sports bar for grown-ups Go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details Good evening ladies and gentlemen <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment Let me explain No, there is too much Let me sum up Johnny and the mothers are playing something at the Savoy in Vermont tonight. Grandma's gonna kill my brother at the Savoy Theater tonight. I didn't say that. No, but I know this grapevine. WHY WOULD I PUT IT THERE?! Kindness? Kindness?! Kindness?! YOU STOLE IT! HE STOLE IT!
1: We have top men working on it right now.
0: Who? up.
1: Hello there. Welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 158. Coming to you live from Comac, New York, and Bayside, New York, in Queens. That's in New York City. We are not joined by Freehold. Freehold, we have a problem. So not so much with the New Jersey. It's a New York-only show, all right? No Jersey housewives tonight, okay? The Bishop... He's not here. He's out on assignment. it will be all right. It's Ready to Unload, New York Sports Talk Podcast. Hi! Talking New York sports nice. Hi! It is December 11th, 2013. It is 10 p.m. It is time for Ready to Unload with Callan Pete. I am one of your hosts, the aforementioned Pete in this equation, Steve Pietro. Hi. Welcome to the show. We have a ton of New York sports nice to talk about. No big deal. We'll get a cup of coffee, Maybe get a beer. Maybe have a nice frigatelle. Nice cookie, nice. You got cookies left over. You got Christmas cookies that are there already. Maybe the butter cookies. Maybe you got them. I know we had our uh, struflas. My Uncle Tommy made strufulas. nice. Eh, You know, you have a cookie. A little piece of cake. Have some coffee. We'll talk New York sports. No big deal. So, welcome to the program. Number 158. All right. Wow. I'm excited. This is... Oh, it's like such a bizarre time of the year because the Jets and the Giants. The Jets are barely hanging on by a thread. They're not going to make the playoffs. The Giants are out of the playoffs, pretty much. Uh, actually, not even pretty much, entirely. Um, but there's still football to talk about. But it's hot stove baseball. Cal and I have been going back and forth for like five days with just pure baseball talk. Just going. Just let's bring him in. Let's bring the guy in. Let's bring him in here. Bring him in. I said bring him in. Kel. Where is he? Now, now the, the cow robot is louder. Kel. <laughs> We've been joking about this. So let's just say he's the, uh, the co-host of the program, uh, Mr. Brian Calniva. Calpino. Caliente. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, sure. This, this is the McCartney version. That's sort all of ducky isn't it?
0: Oh, there he is. He's a popper. He's a little popper.
1: <laughs> we now owe McCarty $8 million. Not
2: yet.
1: Uh, is it now? <laughs> oh. He's Cal. Brian Calneva Calpino Caliente. They're talking New York sports and Mets, and they're pissed at each other. Hi, Cal. Hi, Steve. We're good. <laughs> yeah, I love the intro. You know, that's uh, they said. Oh, you want to do a Bond movie? I said that's a odd ducka. I'll do it. Right. And then uh, you know, I so soldier came up with Living Let Die, didn't I? Hi, Bry.
2: We don't need to pay him. He didn't sing.
1: He didn't all. sing. We did <laughs> the singing portion.
2: Look, we, we are once again without the services of the esteemed, uh, the bishop, right. pop culture PJ. Um, but in his absence, he did produce that sound clip so that we don't have to pay Paul McCartney.
1: That's well done.
2: So he did a good job.
1: Because, you know, that McCartney fella needs the cash.
2: What is he, a will a, he, oh, look what is you he, did. Is he a member of the Wilpon family?
1: You went right into it. Yeah. No holes barred in Moscow. <laughs> and now it's just a street fight. It's a question of who wants it more.
2: Listen, time to just jump right in, I think.
1: I uh, What's up, buddy? You sound, uh, you're a little under the weather. There's a large bottle of Pepto-Bismol next to you. Something's going around. Are you a believer in the Pepto-Bismol, in the art of? Yeah.
2: Really? Yeah. I'm um, to the point where I don't use a measuring cup anymore. I just, I
1: just switch. You go right from the bottle.
2: Yeah, yeah, and hope for the best.
1: Well, I think we all, we all do that in life, just in general. We just, we switch from the bottle of life and we hope for the best.
2: It really is a, uh, a
1: metaphor. He's living life without a measuring cup. That's what you do. You're on the edge. Um, what's up? Well, I'm sorry to hear that, buddy. Are you going to be able to soldier through? Are you going to be know. able to Nate soldier on?
2: I don't know. We're going to find out. That's tune in. Stay tuned to find out. <laughs> Stay
1: tuned. If I, if I make it through. <laughs> and to find out if Cal craps his pants.
2: Uh, I wouldn't do that.
1: Right here on the program. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. Um, uh, it's the holiday season, Cal.
2: Speaking of, yes,
1: the holidays. And you know what that means? Eggnog. Yes, we're going to talk about Eggnog later. We're going to talk about our five favorite Christmas films. Oh, yeah. we No, we have to. I'll tell you why. We had um, five. We had the family party for Wesley. Wesley gets three birthdays, Cal. Three birthdays.
2: Yeah, when they're kids, they get like an entire month. It's, it really is. It's like it's like, uh, Lollapalooza. Yeah,
1: it, it is birthday palooza. It's, it's ridiculous. a festival. It is. It's a three-week three festival. It is. Somehow my son's birthday has turned into South by Southwest. It's like the,
2: Lilith there, <laughs> over by me, with the girls.
1: Right, right. There's people camping out. Like my Uncle Tommy and Aunt Jerry might as well just camp out at the house.
2: Yeah, there's RVs all over the place. <laughs> right. It's the month of June by my <laughs> right. house.
1: So uh, we got to, at the family party, the third and final a birthday party that Wesley had, and the kid thinks every day is his birthday. Then,
2: well, yeah, that's that's the problem. You've set the expectation now.
1: Yeah, December is birthday month.
2: The next, the the, the first year you don't do three parties, he's going to be miserable.
1: Absolutely. So at the family party, we got into our favorite. The discussion went from, and of course, it's a loud Italian family party. So, you know the the. The opinions and assertions are being made loudly and in a pronounced and, fashion. And
2: definitively.
1: Yes. My dad's awfully deaf now, too. I mean, he's, he, he's been mostly deaf for a long time, but now he just really, like, just nope. Yeah. A little, yeah. He's a little the, harder. He's the center of the room anyway. He's the center of attention anyway, and now he just doesn't hear anybody else trying to get in. Oh, boy. So it's great. Uh, but we we discussed our favorite version of Scrooge. That was the first thing.
2: The story, not
1: the movie, or, or like a movie version of Scrooge.
2: A Christmas Carol.
1: Christmas Carol, yes.
2: Right, it's not Sorry. the Bill Murray Scrooged. Well, that that was my favorite. Yeah, but there's but there's only one of those. Right. I thought you were it saying Christmas there's, Carol, a no, yes. there's a number Christmas. of versions of Scrooge.
1: Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Professor Calvi. Yes, I meant... Well, no,
2: well, there's the Donald... Carol. There's the one with Donald Duck. That's Scrooge McDuck. Right, but that's another version of it. <laughs>
1: did, you, is that, uh, did you just take me back to DuckTales? I think I did. Every day they're out there making DuckTales. Very oh. inadvertently. Not. Did, did not you watch... That. Admit it. You watched DuckTales. I might, have,
2: I might have browsed past it once or twice.
1: Yeah, I watched DuckTales, like, in eighth grade. We're still, What's watch, we're still watching DuckTales. Nothing wrong with that? So,
2: you were talking about your favorite versions of movies, of Christmas Carol. Of movies. Christmas Carol. Okay.
1: Of A Christmas Carol, and then we went to the top five holiday Christmas movies.
2: movies, all right. Okay. We'll do that later. We're going to do three. I don't think I can come up with five.
1: You could certainly come up with
0: five. five.
1: Are you, you know what, I'll let you come up with five. I'll come up with three. Bishop's not here, that's why. If, it was, if Bishop was here, we'd only have three.
2: No, but I can only come up with three.
1: Look, let's just see where you are. Let's Don't just see. I might not even
2: be there. That's right.
1: I may be doing my top ten you might- by myself. <laughs> well, you might be doing monologues from... Uh, from A Christmas from Carol. Elf. That's right. I might be doing a monologue from A Christmas Carol. Right. The Alice the Sim version. Well, yes. I mean, Please. Come on, no. We're not any mal. So anyway, the other wonderful time of the year is baseball. Hot stove. Holy cow. See, Cal keeps playing that flame uh, thing. Can you play it again, please?
2: Yeah, it's not a flame. It's more of a... It's like an
1: explosion. Yeah. Because this episode of Ready to Unload, it's an ex- it's, it's, we're, at, we're going at each other. They're talking New York sports with attitude. Everybody has attitude. I'm right and you're wrong.
2: <laughs> and it's forever.
1: What? I'm totally right about it.
2: What, do you got something to say? It doesn't matter. I'm right.
1: <laughs> oh, what's that? No. You're wrong. And if you think for a second that that's the way it's going to be, you're an idiot. You're a jerk. Sports, that. It, sports idiot. Why? Why?
2: A very, so, very... So
1: before, we, before we get into the specifics of what we're discussing in the Big Unload, in tonight's Big Unload, tonight's Big Unload is going to be mainly about the Mets, but it will be a lot about uh, Robinson Cano. We're going to talk about the Yankees as well.
2: Are we, are we jumping into the Big Unload right away? Or... No, I just I want to
1: ask you one oh, question. Okay. Yeah, this, sure. this, this is something that you and I have talked about. We were joking about that new show on SNY uh, here in New York called Covino and Rich. And, again, the, the premise is, and, and SNY has done this 37 different ways. And Loud it, now. Yeah, it just appears the premise is, let's have... Face off. <laughs> keep going. There's, like, eight more. The wheelhouse. Right. Anything that we're, uh, that's a sports analogy that pits two people. The face off. Uh, jump ball. Like, anything that pits two <laughs> people against the... <laughs> Against each other. In the batter's box. Uh, whatever. They, they seem to keep running the same formulaic, formulaic show out there. And it's the
2: exact same thing where it's two guys in a split screen just yelling at each other. Just... One louder than the next.
1: And you can't... You can tell when they really don't believe in what they're saying. They're right. just... They've been assigned the counterpoint for that evening. Right, the counterpoint. And the, the formula seems to be, be a douche about it. Like, be, be as jerky as possible about it to each other. There's nothing enjoy. It. Now they have this show, Covino and Rich, which is, it's all based on that. Like, they're talking with attitude. I,
2: I, well, but that's what it is. Everything is with attitude. For some reason, that people love that. People love that. They right. love confrontation. They, they apparently... Yeah, but they, do they?
1: They do. I don't. I love it. I guess good. especially... Every ta-
2: you, how many times you hear a contentious interview on the radio with Mike Francesa or Joe and Evan? Well, not so much contentious with them, but you hear a, a strong interview and everybody praises it. it that's good radio. That's good radio because they were arguing with each other.
1: But that's a different – that's different than – right. But that's different than the show formula where it's two quote-unquote talking heads who are at odds. Like, why can't they have it – just – why does it have to be so jerky? Because if two people have the same opinion, who cares? but they could have a different opinion. Why do they have to why do we need flames and explosions and why does it have to be so well,
0: why I'll tell is it you so
1: hyped up.
2: I'll tell you why because the, I'll tell you what the problem is with that is that when you are assigned the point that you don't agree with, if you're not skilled at it's it's almost like acting when you think about it.
1: It's not even almost like acting.
2: Well, I'm, I am not an actor, so I can't, <laughs> but if, I can't speak to it. Well, but, it, but it's entirely acting. I can't speak to it. But it's, that's not, it, it's not good acting. That's my, this is my point. They're not good at it. That's the whole point. So they go over the top with the extreme antics and, and being a jerk about it because and, and, they don't know how to do it in a subtle way. There's a way to do it. If, you, if let, Let's say you were an actor and someone assigned you a part. <laughs> okay, hypothetically. Sure. Right. Complete hypothetical not, here. Right. This is, you know, try to try to imagine a scenario where, <laughs> way someone, <out> there. <laughs> where someone, it's out of your zone, but if someone were to assign you a part to play that you were not comfortable with, you, were, you didn't believe in it, right? Sure. But you had, but you had to be, come across as very believable with this sure. point of view. There's a way to do it Yeah. so that people be, actually believe that you think – did you believe in what you're saying? Yes, it's called acting. Right? Is that, that's, that's acting.
0: That's,
1: I hate to go all Sir Lawrence Olivier on you. But so, that, so that's it. Try acting, my dear boy.
2: All right, well, but anyway, there's a way to do it. And, and Absolutely. When you take two sports personalities, they don't necessarily have the subtleties and the nuances required to pull that off in a believable fashion. Hence, you get extreme talk.
1: And the explosions and the flames and... But they, they, so there's two things here. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. There's two, yes, very, very well. There's two things here though. One, why is it that and SNY is not the only, obviously not the only network no, guilty no. of this. This is rampant in sports and sports talk. Why is it they think that's what? Or or no, better. Have we been conditioned to want that? out of our sports talk. Like we're not we're not you look, you and I are not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We've been trying to do this sports talk podcast as two guys talking about sports but never and we've had plenty of moments in the 175 episodes we've done of this show where we've disagreed.
0: Yeah. Well.
1: I mean we're, we're he's right, we're good at tonight because we've been talking about it for a week and we disagree. But it, it never gets to a point of uh, vitriol or, or uh, the talking down to the other one because we respect each other's opinion. And also because it's sports, neither one of us can be absolutely right. No. So is, is it that we're conditioned to or we've been conditioned to want that out of the sports delivery, you know, the sports talk delivery mechanisms Look. that are in place?
2: it was successful it's been successful so that's you know when something's successful you just you just keep kind of running it out there right. you know it's been it it's it's been popular absolutely i mean there's you know? look at jim rome jim rome has made an entire career over it rome is burning rome that's the title <laughs> rome is burning
1: that's the name of his show
2: so he's made an entire career out of just being extreme and loud and and you know In your face. Yeah, I'm right. You're wrong. You're a chump.
1: I'm right. You're wrong. Have a take. Don't suck. Listen, drones. What do they call them? Clones. That was his big one. Listen, I used to listen to him when I was in L.A. Because
2: yeah, no, and you know we talked about it. He knows his stuff.
1: This was pre, you know, serious radio, pre, you know, internet radio or anything like that. and and he was the only thing worth listening to when I was in Los Angeles because he does know his stuff. But but he and he's he's shtick. I mean, I get that. I don't know. I, I think we have been conditioned to look for that in sports discussion. I mean, we've yes. been conditioned to look for the confrontation. And and it, that, and it
2: sucks. But it's I mean, proven. But it's proven to be successful.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I'm reading. I'm reading a book on the history of w, WFAN right now.
1: Was this not a Christmas gift? So you were allowed to. I was allowed to get this one. You're allowed to read this one? Because <laughs> I bought it on my own. I finished uh, Collision Low Crosser. I, I know you did. No, no, I, finished, I just finished it last night. That's fine. You know, you could, if you could actually, if you could, you could read the book to me,
2: I, <laughs> I think that, that would be allowed.
1: Cal, uh, for those of you who don't know, Cal got this great new Jets book for Christmas, and his wife is making him wait till Christmas.
2: Well, I don't actually have it, and
1: i It's not even. It's somewhere in the house. It could be right next to your radio flyer sled. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so. And my
2: and my Reebok
1: pumps. And your Reebok. Pu- oh man, remember this? I of course I remember those. So and anyway, they so the, I... And they had the pump glove. Remember the glove? The baseball no, glove. No. No.
2: Yes. Yes, the glove, baseball glove. Yes.
1: Right. They took the pump technology. Put, put it, it in, in the wrist put it of in it, your... Put it in, they put it in your glove. They did. Pump it up. Do you remember that you could explode the sneaker?
2: I think that was, I think that was an urban legend. You think so? Yeah. Uh,
1: I don't okay. think you could explode the... the... be awesome. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> only, you could only explode the sneaker if you were pouring Pop Rops into a Coke at right. the same time.
1: And drinking it with Mikey from Life Cereal commercials. If he was wearing the sneakers. That's right. <laughs> Mikey from the Life Cereals commercials had to be with you. Right. But any other ones you want to throw in there? Uh,
2: uh, that the kid one years is when man... Wait, say it again? Yeah, I can't believe it. that. Uh, um, who was, I can't remember his name. Uh, Paul, right? Uh, the friend of, of Fred Savage's character. Oh, Paul! Paul, uh, uh, Paul! Not Paul Sorvino.
1: Not Paul Sorvino, but he was a name like that.
2: It was like that, yeah. The, the 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 legend was that he was actually played by Marilyn Manson, or he no, he took, he grew up to be Marilyn Manson. That's what it was. Are we
1: sure that one's not accurate?
2: I, I no, I don't think it is.
1: See, now this would be a great moment for our show if I got all in your face about that.
2: Right, and you're wrong. Okay, why would you say that?
1: If you if you don't think that that. That, that Paul from Wonder Years grew up to be Marilyn Manson. You know what you're talking about. That's something the Jets would do. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I'm glad we, we talked about this a little bit because it, it really is bothering me. Um, it, in that, it, it doesn't, you know, you and I, uh, over the last few days with the Mets and the Wilpons and the thing and the, uh, Sandy Alderson, and this, this is what the Mets have done to us, they're tearing us asunder. They're testing our friendship, our very metal uh, of our friendship. The metal of it, that doesn't work. I want to put metal in there somewhere. And yet Why?
2: Because we're talking about the Mets? Are you trying to work on
1: this? No. Oh, okay. I just want to... Metal's like a good word that way. Fortitude. The fiber. No, that's not it. The, the very timber
0: is the of, our, of
1: our... The fiber of our friendship. There it is. Right? That's solid. Listen... I think that
2: the, the, the missing piece in all of these sports conversations, you, you said it before, is respect. Now, you could be an idiot. <laughs> you are an actual clinical idiot trying to make a point. But the person on the other end of that conversation should at least respect the fact that you have an opinion. Well, yeah. Right? Well, that and... And, and, and it's not fair to said idiot to just dismiss it. What fun is it to
1: shout somebody down?
2: You, you talk to somebody that shouts someone down, and they'll tell you how fun it really is.
1: But I've done it. I mean, I've been... I, I know from my part, I've been the jerk. I, I've been that guy. Like, I've worked really hard over the last even four years just doing this show with you to be more open and not as right. domineering. So, domineering. You, so when you did that,
2: why did you do that? Here, 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 get on the couch. Let's talk. <laughs> okay. Why would you do that? Why would I... Why would you shout one down in a sports conversation?
1: In my particular case, it was because I have this... Um, uh, I have a very logical way of arguing and I have a very... Um, innate sense of fairness, and so if I feel like that's being challenged in any situation, I will become uh, really, really vocally, very aggressive with logic. Okay. So if I feel like I'm not getting my point across, or my my super awesome logic is not getting across, I become very assertive than with my point. Okay. I have, this, and, I have this weird, innate sense of fairness. Like, things have to be fair at all times. Well... I'm, I'm a pleasure to be married to, by the way. This the irony... <laughs> really, really great. The irony in that is
2: that you're, it's not, you're not being fair to the other person at that point because now you've just completely hijacked the conversation. Right. I've shut them down. Right, to the point where... If you, you have to get the last word and the loudest word, and if the other guy just kind of gives in to that sort of barrage of, of points that you're trying to make, you, and that se- ceases to be fair,
0: right. which That's is
2: interesting. Somehow I've won, right. Because it's born out of your, your, your desire for fairness. Right. Strange.
1: It is. I, and it's it's something that I've worked on quite a bit and, and believe it or not, sports conversations, uh, I've gotten, I feel like I've gotten a lot better at it, a lot better at seeing somebody else's point of view and appreciating and respecting their opinion. I think it goes to even like the Jets and the Giants stuff, right? Like I have a very, very close friend who's a huge Giant fan who, used to hate on the Jets and, and would, you know, we've fought three times in the 35 years we've known each other and they've all been over the Jets and the Giants. Like, literally had fights where we had to walk away from each other. That's it. Sure, yeah. And I've gotten so much better at appreciating his point of view and or not making it about that. You know, not making it personal. I don't know. I uh, we'll. Let me get off the couch for a second and just say this. I think it's much more fun to the conversation that we've had with Evan and Dan over the last couple of days, our buddies Nello and, and Dr. Erasedat, both friends of the program. Um, but our, our best friends in our little RTU chat room that we have on on WhatsApp. The conversation's been great because even as it's the baseball conversation with Jacoby Ellsbury and Cano, and then later Granderson and the Will Pons the conversations have all been great because no matter how fired up we get, every one, all four of us know how to take a step back and take in the other guy's opinion and say, "Well, let's let's start. Let's go right to the big unload, and we can, and we can say." What has he done? I wanted to play the Kevin intro music. Oh, is he here? Is he here? Is Nick Walters here? Now, um, it's oh. time. It's time for the big unload. A mere 28 minutes into the show. Well, we've been talking sports for the last
2: 24 minutes.
1: I agree. So it's I, different. I, I I totally agree. I'm wondering if uh, uh, this is a technical point. So this would be great. Uh, this would be great radio. Um. But I'm wondering, your Skype is cutting out a little bit. No. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm serious. We're going come to. we look. We're going to mix LR. We're going to it. We just have to wait for Bishop to come back. But we're going to it. But we're we're still on Blog Talk Radio. Hopefully we're streaming. We don't even know. But your Skype. How, how bad? Is it bad? It's chopping up. I'm wondering if you shouldn't call into the switchboard.
2: Is it? It's that bad. It's that bad. Wow. When I, I, was, I had some really good points earlier. Were they, were they garbled and distorted?
1: They were a little garbled.
2: Oh, my gosh.
1: It's a shame because you had some wonderful points oh. <laughs> in a conversation all about how we should listen to each other's points. It's almost as, as if Skype was shouting you down. I'm wondering if you should maybe call the switchboard as we go to the big unload here. I can vamp. Are you sure? I can vamp a little bit. I hate to do that to you, but... Uh, hey, you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam I'm Sam Stay tuned for more Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Hey, this Good. is Sam from Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam This is episode number 158 that you're listening to, so stay tuned for more Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam All
2: right, do one for the West Coast now.
1: Okay, <laughs> right, got it. Uh, Hey, all you... Californian, uh, Prop Eight, and Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. How about this weather? Prop Eight, <laughs> Ready to Unload. Okay, can't make a right turn on red. Oh wait, no, you can. That's the reason to move to Los Angeles. Uh, Ray, you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Or should I do my? Should I do my two minute my uh, my my on CBS Sports Minute? My CBS Sports Minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, if for those of you who have been listening or listened to WFAN or any of the CBS affiliate uh, radio stations, um, they have these things. They've had them for a while since CBS sort of took over. Everything called CBS Sports Minutes with uh, some of your favorite uh, WFAN hosts or CBS sports hosts, guys like Doug Gottlieb and, uh, and the aforementioned Jim Rome and uh, Boomer Siason and Tom Tolbert. Tom Toll. John Feinstein. John Feinstein. I mean, they're just wonderful. And basically, it's a preachy minute of, of sanctimony. And talking, speaking of talking down to. They that,
2: literally stand on a chair in the studio. <laughs> so they're, Or the table. They're above everybody else.
1: It just It just doesn't get snarkier. And I had a rant, I guess. Uh, about the, the Wilpons, that sounded like a, uh, a CBS Sports Minute. So we're calling them uh, Ready to Unloadlets. I'm Steve Sanpietro with a Ready to Unloadlet. Hey, Wilpons, five years ago today, your world crumbled when you found out that Bernie Madoff had been arrested in what was the most elaborate Ponzi scheme in the history of mankind. The Mets were 89-73 and 73 that year. Coming off a collapse and a calamitous closing of City Field of Shea Stadium, there's 62 games under 500 since Bernie Madoff was arrested. Can you say karma? I can. I'm Steve San Pietro. Are you ready to unload it.
0: Price is
2: right. Is that not right? That's not... That's not
1: what we're looking for? Where is PJ? We, we don't know what we're doing. I Sorry. You're hitting buttons over here. You still haven't called into the switchboard. I'm because, va- all right. I'm vamping over here. This is Major League vamping. Okay, this is what we're going to talk about in the Big Unload. Uh, our conversation with the guys was about Robinson Cano taking $240 million and the 10-year deal and going to Seattle. This was the big news that sort of kicked off uh, the hot stove here in New York. Um, and it was, it was really a pretty remarkable thing. The argument centered on the idea that our buddies, two Yankee fans, um, were, but also this had to do with lifestyle. Their argument was at, at a certain level, a certain amount of money, it shouldn't matter how much money there is. Like it shouldn't matter that, uh, hi buddy. Hi. Right. That's, yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be better. Is this better? It is. Okay. Um, so their argument was that at a certain level, a certain amount of money, it shouldn't matter, uh, it shouldn't significantly affect your lifestyle to, to turn down a certain amount of money, if you're happy where you live. It's like Robinson Cano, a Yankee, gets to retire a Yankee. They offered him $190 million. You know, What's $50 million? Does that significantly change his lifestyle? Or you know, isn't it better to just stay in New York where you're comfortable and you're happy? And it's a valid point. My point was, how do you walk away from $50 million? I don't care how much the original contract is for. It's $50 million. 50 million. Fifty and three years of security. Like that was my whole argument. You cannot possibly fault Robinson Cano for taking the most money at age thirty. And we were trying to well, quantify, like, how much retiring, how much Steiner Sports memorabilia is worth fifty million dollars. I, you know, I feel you know, like
2: the, I feel like the first thing is that it's so out of our realm. Yes. But you can't even talk about it. Like it's not
1: we can't even have
2: a, a logical discussion about it.
1: No. You you can't because you you you're talking about ridiculous you know, ridiculous sums of money. Like you can't wrap your head around making 190 million dollars a year, just like you can't wrap your head around walking away from 50 million dollars. You you can't you can't possibly wrap your head around that. Well, it wouldn't significantly What's the difference between two hundred and forty and one hundred and ninety? What's fifty million dollars? A lot. Yeah, I mean, it's it's your one opportunity to make that kind of money, and plus the three years of security. Well, the years
2: are even a bigger a bigger, a bigger issue because that was the other question that uh, I guess Doctor Eber brought up. The average annual salary was, was roughly the same, so I don't understand. You know, if, he was gonna, if, you, if you average it out, it's roughly the same. Yeah, but when you're a ball player and you could sign a 10-year contract or you could sign a 7-year contract, it's three guaranteed years of money. Why Absolutely. would you not take that?
1: And you brought up the great point, Cal. I thought you brought up the most salient point in the entire conversation, which was if Robinson Cano is 30 and he, signed, and he takes a 7-year deal for $190 million, and he gets to the end of that seven-year deal, he's going to be 38, 37, 38 years old. He's not getting a three-year contract for $60 million. Yeah, probably not. not at that point, right? There's, there's no chance he's getting a three-year contract for $60 million.
0: So? so by
1: taking, taking those three extra years at 25 or 24 a year, he, he assures himself of a contract he's never going to get, Ever. Right. So, uh, you know, and, and the whole idea of, like, uh, loyalty, and it's $50 million. How much does being a Yankee mean? Come on. And it's not like it's 1955. You know, it's not like Robinson Cano doesn't know half the guys on the Seattle Mariners or that there's not the MLB network, uh, you know, uh, the Major League Baseball package. Like, he's not going to play in Alaska, and you're never going to see him play baseball again. I mean, his, his games are on nationally every night. You know what I think about?
2: I think about um, the guy that I always thought about is Ichiro Suzuki. Here in New York, he started playing, I think it was 2000, 2001. I forget whatever year it was when he started, right? Yeah. I think it was 2000. So, let's say 2000. Right? In 2000, very few people had the extra innings package, and there was no MLB network. And there was you really you didn't see a lot of Ichiro early on in his career, you know. And as time went on, and then towards the end of, of the aughts, as it were, you started to see more of Ichiro, and you started to at least here you know, on the East Coast really appreciated what a great ball player he was. But you didn't really know how great he was when he first started. Now with Cano going out to Seattle, any Yankee fan—well, now Yankee fans are not going to want to watch him, but. If you wanted to watch Robinson Cano, you have the ability to see every single one of his games right now. Even though he's in Seattle. It's a whole different it's a whole different time right now.
1: Yeah, and, and baseball's a baseball's not a national game in for fanhood. It's a local game.
0: It's regional, regional, yes.
1: Exactly. It's a largely local game. It's not football. Okay, Peyton Manning goes to Denver, you still see Peyton Manning every week. Still see him every week. Uh, you know Robinson Cano goes to Seattle. Well, Yankee fans don't want to watch him anymore. They're not playing for their team, and baseball fans are not going to tune in. You know, can you can you tell me how many players playing right now, Cal? Would you say that baseball fans are going to watch a whole game just to watch him play? Two, maybe three. I mean, they're probably they they're not they're not everyday players, not position players. There are pitchers that I will tune in to watch. You? It's you. Yeah, I'm, the I'm saying... am saying I'm the average fan? The average fan is not going to... It doesn't care where Robinson Cano is playing. Oh, no. And nor should Robinson Cano care about that guy.
2: And I'm sure he doesn't.
1: Yeah, and Major League Marketing doesn't care. I mean, it's... it's, it's you know, you're, I will watch a Mike Trout game to watch Mike Trout. Okay. There's there's a couple there's a handful of guys that are national players, or that if they're they're if bat is on MLB Network, I'm stick I'm sticking around. If Mike Trout's due up and the and, and uh, Anaheim's on MLB Network and he's due up, I'm sticking around. I'll stick around through that commercial break. I want to see Mike Trout hit. That's it. There's like there's like four guys.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe McCutchen.
1: At this point, maybe, I, I, you know, I love McCutcheon, but, I, but we get to see McCutcheon. We play the part. Well, right.
2: Yeah, you're talking about, yeah, Mike Trout, he's out. he's out in California. We don't see him exactly. that much. That's what
1: he's that's talking what that's guy. Say. Right. I don't care. I, I don't care. It, it, baseball is regional. It's regional and it's marketing. I mean, look, the guy who made the most money off the field last year in endorsements in baseball was Jeter, and he only made $9 million. Robinson Cano's is never going to make that. Because he's not right. a national figure like Jeter is, and so who cares if he's a Yankee or not? Nine million dollars when you're making uh, when you have a two hundred and forty million dollar contract is, is the change in the couch. You just you can't. I I'm getting to the point as I get older, I guess maybe, that I more and more cannot kill guys, especially in football. Like I've changed about how I feel about Revis. Totally changed how I feel about Revis. Oh, that's from the book, too, right? No, no, pre-book.
0: Okay.
1: No, if anything from the book, I desperately want him back because he was apparently the greatest practice player. He's, he was the greatest player that coaches and players that had played with great players, like all-time great players like Ray Lewis or even LT, like guys that were best at their position Yeah. and saw them said Revis is the best player they've ever seen. Good. So if anything, the book would make me want him back. But I can't kill Darrell Revis for trying to get the most money. I can't. No. no I, I would, would, have, hated can, that he, I would can, have hated that he held out again. But, it, you know, look no, ahead. No, I was going to say, it's, especially in football, these are non-guaranteed contracts. These guys have That's three really cool. and a half years. Yeah, they have three and a half years shelf life. Yeah. The difference between $4 million a year in a contract, in a four-year contract, $12 million or sixteen million million.
2: I think you hit the nail on the head. It has to do with us getting older because I'm the same way. I think that it's happened so much. I've, I've, I have experienced watching players always take the most money. Always, oh, 99% of the time, they take the highest contract. And so I forget who brought it up. I don't know if it was somebody that brought it up in this latest Cano stuff or if I had heard it somewhere else. And it makes, it makes so much sense. It wouldn't have made sense to me 10 years ago, but it makes so much sense to me now. This is a business to them. I mean, this is Rantessa, actually, It's a business to them. These players don't look at it the same way fans look at it. You know, these players, like... Fans believe in Yankee legacy a lot more than players believe in Yankee legacy. You know, just just to use that as an example.
0: You yeah, know? and there's different, there's different
1: times of their career. I mean, Derek Jeter, at age 38, the Yankee legacy and retiring a Yankee means something entirely different to a 30-year-old Robinson Cano. Right. Right. And, and Derek, Derek Jeter's made... $200 million, $220 million in his career. For him to, uh, let's just say he was healthy last year and his contract was up and the Orioles offered two years and $40 million. Well, he's not going to take that. He doesn't need it. He can stay with the Yankees and, and say the, in, in this hypothetical, the Yankees offering him 2 and 30 He's going he's gonna to turn down the extra $10 million. He doesn't need it. It's more important for him to retire a Yankee. That's not taking right. – he doesn't need to take the most money there.
0: 30-year-old no, Robinson because, you
1: know at the, at the one time where you get the big contract, he takes the right. most cheers and the most money.
2: Right. Those guys that you are talking, Derek Jeter, he, he's gotten his mega contract already. He got his $180 million contract. That's Cano right. hasn't gotten that yet. Yep. You're not going to turn it down.
1: No, and, it, and it, is, it, it doesn't mean that these guys don't care about winning or losing or care about the teams that they play for. But they're right, human beings, and it's, a, and it's a business. Enough about money, so let's talk about the Wilpons.
2: No, before we get on to that, I want to ask you a question. <laughs> I, want to, I, want to, I want to stay on the Yankees.
1: I think I'm going to have you call back Skype after you make this point. You kidding me? I <laughs>
2: know. <laughs> is, is this
1: bad, too? No, this is fine. It's just that I, I – go ahead.
2: No, what's going on?
1: I think you should call back Skype. I'm totally, I'm totally messing with you now.
2: Should I call back Skype?
1: Yes. Oh. I, uh, oh, yeah. man, should, I, should I call you back on Skype? I can do that. I, don't, I think you're even still on the call. But this is great radio. This is how you do it. You're listening to Ready to Unload with Callan Sampete. Hi, I'm Steve Pietro from Ready to Unload with Callan Sampete. And, uh, I'm
2: huh? I'm, up there, I'm here. There we go.
1: Is this better? That is better. I feel like the connection is improved.
2: If I didn't do I the same connection,
1: just tell me what you were going to say about the Yankees before I play the explosion again. All right, mm-hmm. and, you, and you and I are convino and Rich.
2: If you are Brian Cashman, nice. All right. All right. Here we go. Play a part. You're Brian Cashman. <clears throat> okay. And I am whoever the general manager of the Reds is today.
1: Who Hold is on. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to put these... Oh, smugs. I'm sorry. You're Brian Cashman. Yeah, I'm getting into the, the smug arrogance. Good. Hold okay. on. Okay. Okay, I got... I'm the GM for life. Okay, got it. Okay.
2: Okay. Good. You know, you, uh, you'll be required to repel down a building in an yep. elf costume, obviously.
1: I just, I just put on a, a crazy uh, red uh, mohawk wig. Great. I'm nuts. Um, and I, I just called A-Rod A. Rod a jerk off. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. I'm, okay,
2: so you got it now. All right, and I'm the Reds' general manager. We don't know who that is, right? Is it Walt Jockety? Is that possible?
1: I think that he was like 15 years ago. But God. okay.
2: Uh, I give you a call. I call Brian. And hi, Amy. Mr. Cashman. Brian. Hey, Walt. How's it going? How's uh, the
1: family, Walt? Yeah, good. Good. How's uh, little little Jimmy's chicken pox? How's that going? Hey, he's got scars. That's a shame. It's a yeah. shame.
2: He'll grow out of it. Your, your kids look good, though. Thanks. Really, just fresh-faced and
0: They are. They're eager. a delight. Yeah. They
2: look eager.
1: They're a delight. Good, good. Hey, have
2: a happy holidays if I don't talk to you after
1: this? Yes, you too. Happy, um, Hanuk- happy Hanukkah. Thank you. Uh, we don't
2: celebrate, but thanks. Well, we do. Well, it's past. I hope
1: you had a happy one. We had a great one. Great, I got uh, I got I got a Jacoby Ellsbury. You did, you did. You got a, a Carlos Beltran. It looked like. Yep, that was day eight. Right, so, you,
2: you got a McCann was what day one?
1: Yeah, right, right. Uh, I got it. was day six. I got, a, I got a dreidel on day five. Sort of a letdown. Great, that's all right. It's a well, Yankee. It's a Yankee dreidel.
2: We'll say that. Is that the day that that you lost Cano?
1: That's correct. <laughs> That's
2: right. You got a dreidel instead.
1: Yeah, I was rappelling down a, a building with uh, Bobby Valentine. So I see. Nice. Hey, How'd that go? I wasn't bothered at all.
2: Did you break an ankle this year or no? No. This year you were fine.
1: This year I was okay. Great. Great. So,
2: well, listen, while I got
1: you here. What can I do for you, Walt?
2: Well, I, you know, I, now that you don't have Robinson Cano anymore, I got the second baseman on my hands. Sure you familiar with him, Brandon Phillips? I love his work. Right? I have all his albums. Great. Well, he's, he's, you know, he's, a, he's a great ball player, but he's making a lot of money for us, and, and we're looking to move him. We'll take him. Great. All we're looking for from you is Brett Gardner. Straight up. Can you, can you just send Brett Gardner over? You've got plenty of outfielders now. You probably don't need him. Send us Brett Gardner. We'll give you Brandon Phillips, and we'll call it a Happy New Year. We'll toast the new year together. What do you that say?
1: Sounds good. That's good. Yeah,
2: terrific. I'll have my people call your people. We'll drop the papers. And uh, and uh, have a you know really have a happy new year. Have a, have a merry. Have a merry. I know you don't celebrate, but please. <laughs> okay. Mazel tov is what they say. a mazel to you. Okay. Right. So this, hmm. so you would envision a conversation going something like that. Yes. Right. John Heyman of CBS Sports (laughs) reports that the Yankees turned down an offer of Brandon Phillips for Brett Gardner. Wow. That's what all that was about.
1: You got there. That's what we did. (laughs) I'm glad we can role play. That doesn't make any sense. Boy, they... Wow. Francesa has no, no less than 18 teams interested in Brett Gardner. He said today that you could lit- – he literally said this. You could trade Brett Gardner anywhere. Anybody any, – any team would want him. Any team. That's how, that's how good Brett Gardner is. Did he take, like, 30 teams? Wait, say, say it, again. That
2: would, it up
1: again? Skype is breaking up again. Yeah. Come on. You probably said something really funny there, too. I have to call back, don't I? No. You're oh. right. Just say it again slowly.
2: Oh, it, it's not because I'm talking fast. It's just Skype. Yeah. It, can handle, it, it can handle the speed of my voice. <laughs> just,
1: that was probably the least technical thing I've ever said in my life. This is Slow down so Skype works.
2: All I said was it would have been funny if Francesa spent four minutes listing all 30 major league teams. <laughs> okay, uh, so here's a list of the teams Cubs. that are interested in, uh, in, right. God, in Gardner. God, okay. Okay. Uh, let's see, uh, the Pirates.
0: Pirates
1: would take him. Okay. Pirates. We could Card- probably we could probably get McCutcheon for him. Cardinals would take him.
2: Uh, let's see who else. Uh, um, uh, the Cubbies,
1: the Cubbies would take them, Okay. The Mets, the Mets would take him in a heartbeat. Okay. The Mets take him. He beat he beat the best player in the Mets. And they just he just listed every team. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Mets, it is it is now ten to eleven. Might hmm. be time to <laughs> might be time to get into get into this. Okay. Let's get into it. I have one. Uh, Touchstone place for us to start. I was talking to my buddy Jimmy tonight. Jimmy used to write for us in the early days of Ready to Unload. Sure. you remember. I do. He used to write some, uh, some copy for the website. He was fantastic. Back in the day when we used to write. Jimmy James. Jimmy James says. Um, sure. And uh, so I was talking to Jimmy tonight. Great Matt fan. Very uh, Jimmy is uh, super sarcastic, sardonic, very skeptical, Is he snarky or no? No, no, he's never snarky. He's just, he's really skeptical of anything the Mets do uh, in a good way. He wants them to, he comes from a place of love. He wants them to be good, desperately. So he was was giving me grief tonight about my, as he put it, quote unquote, buying into the con, the short game Mm. that was the signing of Curtis Granderson. And his point was, this is classic Wilpons in that they signed Granderson just to appease the fan base and say, look, see, we tried to do something. And he was saying, I can't believe you fell for it. And I said, well, I didn't fall for it, Jimmy. I said, I like the player. I said, I know exactly what the Ponds have done here. I said, I'm surprised they made it past Salmon and signed him. Because in the past with the Wilpons, it's just, hey, look, we met with him. You know, he got a better offer. You know, we were in on him, which is your classic Wilpons. We were in on him. Right. But I, I happen to like this player a lot. I have before he even was traded to the Yankees. Look, in, in full
2: disclosure,
1: I can corroborate that. I've always, I, I've always really liked Curtis Granderson. You did. Uh, and then once I learned what a good guy he is, what a great teammate he is, how, you know, watching him with the Yankees, how hard he plays the game. Um, you know, I'm not going to say he plays the game the right way, but he plays very hard. He's got a great work ethic. He seems to be a fantastic teammate, uh, charitable, in the community. These are all things that a Met organization that is awful at PR also need. They also need out of their players. They can't just have David Wright be the coolest, nicest, greatest guy in baseball and have the rest of them be malcontents and you know, miscreants. Okay, they they needed him uh, from that as- aspect, and I also think his game. If you go back to the Tiger years, before he went to Yankee Stadium in the short right field porch, I think Curtis Granderson's game plays very well in city Field. I really do. And I don't, I don't care if he hits 250 with 20 to 25 home runs, 30 to 35 doubles, 10, 12 triples, scores 100 runs. You you had me at hello. I'm good. That's all I expect out of him. I don't, need, I don't need 41 home runs out of him. I don't.
2: You're not going to get it, but you also have to understand that those numbers that you just listed, it's an overpay.
1: He's not... it's a, it, but, it, but everything is an overpay, Cal. What's an overpay considering Jacoby Ellsbury just got $153 million? They're asking for $140 million for Shinsu Chu, Cal. So is it an overpay? Is four for sixty an overpay for a thirty-two year old who is, who two years ago hit forty-one home runs and scored one hundred and sixteen RBIs? Yeah, for, uh, for and the, scored one hundred and
2: sixteen runs for the production you expect out of him, or that you would
1: you would say hello to, that's an overpay. It's it but, is. What? But the project? The production I just gave you is fifteen million dollar year player but, right now.
2: No, no, it's not.
1: But listen, you're, what you're, is? What you're, is? You're
2: getting now. So calm down. No, but I'm because asking, you're missing my point. You're missing my point. I mean, you're not letting. You're not letting me get to my point. Let me put it that
1: way. But you. You have to. You. You have to answer my question first. What is?
2: What is what? I didn't hear. It.
1: The outfielder. <laughs> Call and Sam Pete. What is? How much does a guy who hits forty home runs?
2: Oh no 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 no! I'm talking about you said 250, 20 to twenty five home runs. Yes. in that field, in that field. If he was with the Yankees, he'd hit forty home runs. No, I no, but he's not with
1: the Yankees. He's with the Mets. He's playing at Citi Field, and that's his production. But he's going to be the Mets can't do anything about the field they play in.
2: Right. That's that's okay. That's, that's
1: his production. Right. But that's, but that's what you're paying for. Right. But you, you can't say that's his production and it's an overpay because of the field he plays at. that's your field. Right. So how is that an overpay?
2: Because you're paying that money, but that's the most
1: you, but that's the most you can expect at your field. Right. So, I, I don't understand how it's an overpay. That's. I, do, does that make sense? Like, I don't yes. understand how that's an overpay. If you if you feel
2: that 250 and 20 to 25 home runs and whatever, what you said, if you feel that that's worth 15 million dollars, then that's your opinion, and that's fine. I but feel that's over, You're overpaying.
1: That but home. where? But where does that cost out in the open market?
2: Probably a little bit less than that.
1: Okay, so Jacoby Ellsbury got seven years and one hundred and fifty-three million dollars.
2: Right, he got twenty million a year. Right, more than that.
1: And and what what are his expected numbers? I mean, what what can you expect out of Jacob out of Jacoby Ellsbury? Where he's like the you know what the seventh highest paid outfielder of all time. I just don't, I just think it's what the market bears. I think it's what the market bears. Like, I don't know if you can call it an overpay. You know, I I don't know. Did I, did I lose Cal on Skype? I feel like I've lost you on Skype. Well, anyway, I'll vamp. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure that that's an overpay, but that's, Besides the points, all I was trying to say was, I happen to like this particular player, so I don't know if it's necessarily. I don't okay, know. I, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, I don't know if that's an overpay, Cal. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I think it is.
0: I think it is.
2: But 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 the whole point of this is that I think it was the right move. I think he was the right guy to overpay for.
1: Okay. They needed to. Isn't that what the is it well I mean, I feel like it's what the market bears. I feel like if he had gone somewhere else, that's what he would have made
2: but he was but he had no other offers like that.
1: He had a three year offer. the only reason he went for the same money he went to the Mets because they gave him a fourth year, right so he had three for forty five right and to the Mets because they gave him four for sixty okay. So, I just feel like that's what you have to pay for that that production- look, look Scott Feldman got three years and thirty million dollars
2: yeah I know I know jason Vargas got thirty two million dollars
1: right that's what i'm 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 saying like what anyway, we're off track. The point is we both like the player quite a bit right which which tempers the i think the cynicism of the deal for both of us, but Jimmy's point was. I think overall, the same as my point, and that is Alderson, he called Alderson a patsy. A patsy? Yeah. Right. He said he's, a, he's, a, he's an organization or organizational guy who has a ton of respect, who the Willpons are literally hiding behind. They hired him because they knew he's a respected guy and that he's, he's going to take the heat for the fact that they can't build a team.
0: He said basically
1: basically Alderson's a patsy. But where you and I disagreed over the last few days is you think Alderson should take some heat if they can't build this club. You think Alderson should take heat because of what he said for the last three years, right? Yeah,
2: and I want to clarify that right now. This moment? Right now, yes. Just basically what we've been talking about for the last week or so. Record it. Who are you looking at over there? I, I don't know.
1: It was almost as if I had a producer tomorrow. Somebody in the room? That's right. Roll. Roll tape. Um, Speed. I think...
0: And,
2: uh, I, and action. Sorry. I'm, I'm jumping the gun here. <laughs> I'm chomping at the bit. Um, I think... Sandy Alderson and the rest of the front office is guilty of is misreading the way this market was going to play out. And let me explain.
1: There is too much. No, no, no there's too much. Let me sum it up. I must know. That's that's I, our current, that's our current Princess Bride line. Enough.
0: I I, no, think, I must know. Who are you?
1: No one to be trifled. No one of consequence. I must know. Get used to disappointment. And then Mandy Patinkin makes the greatest face. It's not even a double-take. It's just a take. Right. That uh, absolutely is better than any line they possibly could have put there. He just said, (laughs) okay, all right. Go ahead. So do you think they misread the market?
2: Yeah, here's what I mean by that. I think they did not expect salaries to be as high as they were going to be. I think they thought they would have people lining up to take Ike Davis and or Daniel Murphy off their hands and I think they got to the winter meetings and they realized that things were a little out of hand on the salary side. So they knew that they were going to have money coming off the book. So all along they forecasted this, and we've talked about this, they forecasted this off season as the year they were going to turn everything around, start spending money and start making moves and start creating that flexibility that they've been talking about. And I think that it's not, it's, not necessarily all their fault I think things turned out a lot differently than they expected it to and I think that if they knew then what they know now they might not have made the promises or they might not have set the expectations like they did for this particular offseason they can't give Ike Davis away they can't give him away nobody wants him you know, they can't get, Daniel Murphy, nobody wants Daniel Murphy, the guy bats 280 to 300, gets 200 hits every year, and at second base, makes a reasonable salary, nobody wants him, they really thought they were going to be able to trade these guys, slot Lucas Duda in at first, slot Eric Young in at second, get another big time outfielder, maybe get a pitcher, and because they they always talked about, Improving the team through trades more so than through free agency. You know, they haven't been able to make a trade yet. Doesn't mean they're not going to, but they haven't been able to make a trade yet. And I think that's because they thought, you know, they, they thought they had more value than other teams think they have. You know, and then, and then as far as the salaries for the free agency, they, they, there's no way they expected Shin Tzu Chu to go for $140 million.
1: No way. Nor should they pay that. Obviously, but that's not the point. It is the point. It's part of the point. It's got to be part of the point. It's not. Re- it's not really the point. It's got to be part of the point, though, Cal, because if part of their plan was to pursue a guy like Shin Chu, and then the price is so exorbitant that no one should pay it, here's the bets. Right. No one should pay it. But if
2: someone, so then what if he go unemployed?
1: No, no. Someone will give him a contract, but, and, they, someone, but and someone will probably and somebody probably will give him that money. But they should. I don't want it to be the mess.
2: Okay, that's fine.
1: So what I'm saying is they had to then adjust their plan and say, all right, well we're not giving Shin Chu seven years and 140 million dollars. Right. No chance. So we th- we thought we'd be able to get him for five and 85. Right. Okay, that's not the price, so we have to adjust the plan on the fly. So let's go get Curtis Granderson. Let's get Chris Young. Let's you know, uh, continue to, to, to seek other avenues to get bats for the, for the offense, or, you know, put bats in the lineup. Um, that doesn't mean that they're doing a bad job to me. To me, okay. that doesn't mean that they're doing a bad job. They've had to adjust. You, you know, the,
0: uh,
1: <clears throat> Johnny Peralta gets, what, four years and $53 million. I'm not giving Johnny Peralta $53 million. I'm just not. Like, I'm not going to kill them for not making that move. That's why everybody said, well, the Granderson move was just a move to make a move. Well, I don't think it was. I no, think, I don't believe that. I think Granderson is a guy they know can play in New York, uh, has a skill set that, <laughs> which is a bad word for Fred Wolfong. but has, a, has, a, has a, you know, a profile that plays very well in city Field and is also a good guy and a good guy to bring in. And, and a winner, and it, you know, the kind of personality that you want, uh, a veteran personality that you want on the ball club. And that you're not going to have the Jason Bay situation because he does know how to play in New York. And he has played in New York under the brightest of spotlights. So I, I, I just think, look, all of it to me is just, it's, it's all inconsequential. Because I think Sandy Olson is a patsy, because I think it comes back, as always, to ownership. It's not, you see, that's, that's the thing. You want to pin it all, 100% on the ponds. I don't want to pin it all on the ponds. I am pinning it all on the Wilpons. You can't, because, that's because, not fair. Because to, because to me, it is all on the Wilpons.
2: It's not, it's not, you, it's not 100% on the Do You want to put most of it on the Wilpons, because they have no money, that's fine.
1: No, 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 no. See, now, in light of recent things that you read and you research and you see, it's not necessarily even that they have no money.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's that if they're setting an $87 million payroll budget, see, all I'm saying, Cal, is I feel like it's gotten to the point where it's inconsequential whether Sandy Alderson would sign big players or wouldn't sign big free agents. He doesn't have the money to do so. So his philosophical uh, leanings, what he thinks, um, uh, about building a ball club are, are, are almost inconsequential, or almost moot in this situation, because he doesn't have the money to do it, even if he wanted to. Because of you know, if you read this or if you read about the specifics, and depending on what you believe, and I think Joel Sherman in his article in the Post and Bob Klappish in his article in the you know Bergen Record or whatever it was, they're not far off from one another. All Sherman's in, insinuating is that Alderson should take some blame.
2: Which he's, he's the general manager for misreading team. the market. Right.
1: But to me, I don't see how he can have any blame when he was told he was going to have a certain amount of money and he doesn't have it.
2: I don't I don't understand how you can hold the general manager of a baseball team is 100% blameless. I don't understand that. It I'm 100 we're talking 100% blameless.
1: Uh, what, my, I don't my, understand that. my question would be, what is he going to do? He, What's he going to do? He's got to readjust. That's what, but that's what he's doing. Well, Isn't that what he's done? I don't know. He's trying to improve the ball club. He's, he's trying if, to, Given yeah. the means that he has. Okay. He's not going to be infallible. He's going to make mistakes. See Frank Francisco. See John Rausch. He's going to make mistakes. Okay, he's not infallible. That I'll put on him, sure. But this massive overhaul that was supposed to happen in 2014 can't happen if he doesn't have the money to do it. To me, it almost doesn't matter if he would do it. He doesn't have the money to do it. Because the Wilpons have decided that they want to make a revenue off the team. So you set the payroll at 87 or 88 million dollars, Okay, you take in $100 million in revenue, you get, 20 million, you get 20 or $30 million from Major League Baseball, and all of a sudden you've made money this year on the Mets. It doesn't matter if you only draw 2.2 million fans. Which, by the way, as we all well know with the Wilpons, there's a sucker born every minute, right? We're just suckers. We're idiots. Mets fans are just going to keep coming to the ballpark. Of course. As bad as that team was last year, 2.2 million people still went. That's what the Wilponts, to me, think of their fan base. They're idiots. They'll go, no matter what slop we put out on the field. I think Sandy Allison Cal, we've said this a million times, and I think it's coming to fruition. I think Sandy Allison just as... like I'm about to do the JFK monologue. And they sold this lemon to the American people. They, he was sold a bill of goods. You're going to have... If you get us down to this number, in the offseason between 13 and 14, you can bring it back up to $125 million. You'll have have this amount of money. I think he was sold that bill of goods. And now they're saying to him, eh, no, we've looked at it again. We want to make money this year.
2: All right, that's fine. Look, that's fine. He was brought in pr- partly because of his ability to manage to general manage a team on a low budget, right? He's, yeah. He, he, him and his and his crew have done that in the past. Yes, right, and they've been, and they've proved pretty successful at it. Reasonably so.
1: No, I, am I'm, I'm saying in in Oakland.
2: Yeah, they right? made the playoffs. How many years?
1: Absolutely. But they weren't as small a budget team as they became under Billy Bean. That's true. That's true. I'm not saying he had a big market team. I'm looking at what they did with the Padres. You know, there's some success, not much. Right. So, yes, they had some success with a small market team.
2: They are touted as being able to find diamonds in the rough and being able to find cost. And they've they've done a good job of it here.
1: Look at Marlon Byrd.
2: Sure. They've done a they've done a, a very good job. Look at Chris Capuano
1: a couple of years ago. Look at Latroy Hawkins last year. Look at you know uh, the guys have played well. And look at the trades that they've made. Look at the you know the, yeah, the way they have restocked the farm system. Sure, so Great. so that's they they have the ability to do that.
2: So now they need to do now they now they need to show that they can do that. But that's but
1: you just you just nailed the. The, regardless of what the payroll is going to But be. You, just, you just hit the biggest problem in the world. Alderson doesn't even matter. You hit the biggest problem in the world, and that is, this is New York. They shouldn't have to operate of an $87 million they, payroll. Of course they shouldn't but have to. It, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Of course they shouldn't have to. All of the rest of the talk is just, just talk we don't know what sandy allison would do with a hundred and forty million dollar payroll because he's never going to get one but as a met fan as met fans you and i as passionate lifelong giving our children this which is to me the 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 most you know (laughs) like serious thing you can say i am passing my met fanhood on to my children and we have an ownership group that is operating the team as if we're in Milwaukee. I know. I know. And that is just – and, and I, I don't mean to sound like a provincial New Yorker. That's not what I mean to sound like. This is, this is economics. This is you have your own cable station. You have your own network for your team. You've got a five-year-old ballpark. You've got a five-year-old gorgeous ballpark that just did a wonderful job hosting the All-Star Game. People raved about it. Mm-hmm. That if you put a decent team on the field, would be sold out every night. Or at least there'd be 35000 there every night. Okay, so you have a five-year-old ballpark, which the city helped you pay for. Look, put, put And you it, have your own network, and you're in New York City. You can charge New York City prices, and people will pay them.
2: You put it this way. They, they had 4 million people come to a stadium that was falling apart six years ago. Falling apart? 4, mi- four, four million. million came to that team, that stadium.
1: How many times have the Yankees drawn 4 million fans? A couple times. but that's, Yeah, no, a, a, a couple times, but it's not every year. No, no that's, that's, that's an extreme number. That's special. That was only five years ago. Six years ago. Yeah. And they are running the team because they have no money. Because five years ago today, the guy who pulled off the greatest Ponzi scheme in the history of mankind, think about that for a second, by the way. He stole the most money in the history of mankind. Oh the, record, the, the recorded history of men. It's, yeah. And they were, they were a big part of it. And they've lied consistently. And if they weren't buddies with Bud Sealing, they would have lost the team four years ago. This is at the crux. We could talk about Curtis Granderson's OPS and Bob Ip all we want. No, we can't. This is at the crux of the of the of the problem, and as fans, we have no control, zero. There is nothing we can do, nothing, zero, nothing. Well, there's nothing. Cal if, well, there, were, if there were 800 people in that ballpark at night, they still wouldn't sell the team. They still would wouldn't know. Sell. They
2: sell the team. No, that
1: wouldn't. No, there's nothing we can do. That's true. We have to renounce our fanhood, and they still won't sell the team. It's probably the most frustrating thing that I can possibly think of in sports right now. The, the, the fact that Met fans have zero recourse over who owns their team and the, and the, and the running of their team. Zero. There's nothing we can do. I won't go. I won't spend a dime. So what? They don't care. They don't care. So, all that aside, they signed Curtis Granderson. They signed Bartolo Colon today to a two-year, $20 million deal, um, which you know, the only other guy I could have see, seen there was Casimir. Casimir got two for twenty-two. Yeah, but that, I don't know. Cologne's been a better pitcher over the last three years. Well, the
2: other, the other thing, you bring Kaz, Casimir would come back with some
1: baggage. Yeah. And no, not
2: necessarily I'm... baggage, but his expectations would be maybe unrealistic.
1: This, they have doled out $87.5 million in guaranteed contracts so far for three players. You want to you argue that maybe Sandy Alderson's not spending the little money he has wisely? That's fine. I think that's your argument. I think if you only have $30 million to spend and you're giving Chris Young $7.25 million of it, that's where you're bothered. That bothers me. that's completely legitimate. Yes, he takes a hit there. Absolutely. If that deal doesn't work, I, I, all I was exonerating him 100% from was, not being able to make wholesale changes and go on a spending spree that he promised. Because I don't think he has any control over that. I think just like the rest of us...
2: Well, that, that, I'm sorry,
1: No, I was just, just going to say, I think like just like the rest of us, he was told he was going to have the money, and he doesn't. And so now he's adapting on the fly. Is he adapting well? That remains to be seen. I think, I think your point about misreading the market is spot on in, in a, to, to a certain extent. I, I, really, I don't think they thought Johnny Peralta was going to get $53 million. No, they, they, they ab- absolutely didn't. I don't think they thought a guy like Jacoby Ellsbury you know, was going to get $153 million. They thought maybe we could swoop in.
2: Well, no, I mean they weren't, they weren't going over $100 million on anybody.
1: I don't know if I, I don't know if I know that. Well, that's what they Even, said when they. But right, but I don't know if I know that. Okay. Here, if you, you could have gotten Ellsbury for six and hundred and ten. Yeah, he might have done it.
2: Okay, um, they could have gotten Jose Reyes two years ago.
1: You can't. You keep. You always bring up Reyes. And what I, do I tell you? What? They didn't have the money.
2: Okay, but they have they, the money
1: now. Yes, they have more money now. Okay. They did not have the operation. I, I, well, first of all, I'm not convinced they have the money now. Okay. But operationally, the, their assets were frozen because they were in the middle of the Madoff investigation. Okay. There was an absolute set amount of money they could offer Jose Reyes.
2: Look, I wish they had him right now, but I, I have to stand by the fact that I wouldn't have given him that contract at the time either. I wouldn't have two years I ago.
1: ago. I would have. I mm. absolutely would have. We really? said it on the show. Yeah, I wouldn't have. Cal, we both would have given him six years and $107 million. We both would have. No, we didn't, we didn't, no, we didn't like tying a guy like him up for that many years. That was the issue. So we still would have done it. Okay. So because, you, he was, because he was a homegrown guy, and we still would have done it.
2: All right. So they, they, Sandy Alderson said they weren't going to spend $100 million on a player. You don't necessarily believe that.
1: He What he said was he couldn't see spending $100 million again on another player outside of David Wright. It would have to be special circumstances to do so.
2: Okay. Um, Jeff Wilpon said that if, if Sandy Alderson came to him with a request. <laughs> Feed that dog. Wait, please. This is breaking down. <laughs> Vamp. Man, I
1: love that dog. What you were going to say is, Jeff Wilpon said, if Sandy Alderson comes to us and tells us, hey, fellas, I want to spend $120 million on this player, Jeff Wilpon's saying, of course you can. Nonsense. I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it for a second. The treadmarks on the back of Sandy Allerson at this point are plentiful. It just it none of it comports with what's actually happening. And none of it and frankly I don't understand how the Wilpons have gone this long without being asked at least once about their finances in earnest. I don't understand how that hasn't happened yet. And I and I, I think your point, Cal, was you know, about Jeff Wilpond saying, Well, if Sandy just comes to us and makes that suggestion, we'll consider it. We have no budgetary constraints. And you
2: 100% don't believe
1: that?
2: 100%. Okay. So that's not, be, you're not being fair. 150% I
1: don't believe. You're not being fair.
2: You're not being fair.
1: you fair. You believe
2: that Sandy Alderson would have gone over $100 million, even though he said he wouldn't?
1: I didn't say that. What would you say? I'm saying in this hypothetical that Jeff Wilpon keeps giving us. Right. I think he's full of crap. Okay. That's right, fine. Like I said before, I think it's inconsequential whether Sandy would make that recommendation or not. The bottom line is, he could make that recommendation 50 times. They're not doing it. They don't have the money. They don't have the financial wherewithal to pay somebody $125 million of new money. They don't have it. They just, Jeff Wilpon, and I just said, Cal, the tire, the tire marks on Sandy Alderson's back are plentiful. He's been thrown under the bus about eight times by Jeff Wilpon. Do you, do you believe, for knowing what they owe, what their debt servicing is, what they have said they want to spend on this team? Right. Do you honestly believe that if Sandy Allerson said, uh, I want to give Shinsu Chu $80 million? No. That they would say yes?
2: Um. Well, he's well that they
1: that they can say yes. Well, that's, without that, without, it, without going to J P Morgan,
2: that's that inconsequential because he's going to get twice that much money. Fine, one hundred and twenty million dollars. Right, no, more than that, he, they're going to say no. Obviously, they're going to say no to that. But he came out and he specifically said if if he came, if he talked about Stephen Drew and Jeff Wilpon mentioned the name Stephen Drew, yeah, right. Let's see what happens. Let's, let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's see. If the Mets don't sign... If the Mets don't make Stephen Drew an offer...
1: Well, they're going to have to go to three years because he's already getting two from the Red Sox.
2: It's fine. If they don't make him an offer, then what, what does that tell you?
1: That tells me that they don't have the money to pay
2: him. If they don't make him an offer. Correct. Okay. If they do make him an offer, what does that tell you?
1: Depends on what the offer is.
2: No, it doesn't. If they make him an offer...
1: A fair offer.
2: A fair offer. Okay. What does that tell you? That maybe Jeff Wilpon was, was telling the truth. No. It doesn't. T- well. Okay.
1: Oh, we're talking about thirty-six million dollars. Not hundred million dollars. Not 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 eighty million dollars.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but they are already about- at the, they're already at their projected payroll limit. He would have to get approval from Jeff Wilpon to make an offer of thirty-six million dollars.
1: Cal, why do they have to move Daniel Murphy and or Ike Davis to free up payroll to make Stephen Drew that offer? If, if there were no budgetary constraints, as Jeff Wilpon says, hey, just come to me. My pockets are open. I don't know why I put Jeff Wilpon in the South on a plantation, but it's fine. <laughs> if, if that's the case, then why do they have to move Daniel Murphy and Ike Davis to save themselves a whole $8 million or $9 million? To be able to make Stephen Drew that three-year offer, is that what
2: they're doing? That's, that's what's been said for days that they're looking, they're, moving, they're looking to move Ike Davis and Daniel Murphy in order to make an offer to Stephen Drew.
1: They're moving. They're looking to move Ike Davis and Daniel Murphy to free of salary. Period. Well, one can only assume it's too, because they are at that uh, that budget limit. Because we, heaven forbid, we go over eighty-seven million dollars that it's to make an offer for Stephen Drew, the only shortstop left. Ooh. Pepto-Bismol.
0: <laughs>
1: Pepto-Bismol. Remember those commercials? I do. Pepto-Bismol has had a long, rich history of advertising. It's fantastic.
2: You remember, well, How long ago was that? We remember it.
1: Yep. Still working. Pink bottle and all. Yeah, there it is. Right there. I... I I don't think that's. Th- I don't think Jeff Wilpon is telling the truth. I don't. Okay, that's fine.
2: And, and look, he hasn't given you any reason to believe that he would ever tell the truth. I get that. Nope. I get that. That's fine. I'm, I just. When it comes
1: know. to the finances of this team, I don't think he said a truthful thing in years. Okay. It's this, this. 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 These are the same two guys that told us that the Madoff investigation and/or. Uh, uh, case would have no effect on the Mets, uh, Mets operations. Yeah, okay. Well, unfortunately, Jeff, some of us have access to court documents and can take a look at it. Yeah, yeah you're wrong. Clearly had everything to do with the day-to-day running operations of the Mets when, when Keyspan has to come there because you haven't paid your electric bill at Citi Field, which I have a good authority. I have a cousin who's very, very uh, connected at Keyspan. No
0: right. <laughs>
1: Cal, he had to go to City Field and ask them to pay the bill. I'm not kidding. They were like, well, what are you going to do, shut us off? He's like, if I have to. This is, this is what the organization is doing. So when they tell me that they can go wherever they want financially for a player, I say horse pucky. Let me ask you this. we got about three minutes left in the live show. Yeah. All this Wilpon crap aside, because there's nothing we can do about it, are they a better team today than they were uh, on Saturday? Yeah. In 2014, are they a better team today? They are, right? Yeah, they are. Are they exponentially better or are they marginally better? They're marginally better. Okay. Okay. What do they have to do to become exponentially better? There's there's three months left of the off-season. Yeah. Um, three months. You're right. This is fun. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm saying there's, there's, there's time left to do more things. Mm-hmm. They, they they don't shut they don't shut the off season down after the winter meeting. Of course they don't. I know
2: that. I know that. It's, you, it's odd that you're you're saying that to me, like you just met me. Or that we're communicating
0: a no. Twitter.
1: No no, I know you know that. I'm I'm right. I'm I'm saying that more for you know, uh, some other writers perhaps. Right.
2: Well, I'll I'll let I'm I'm not gonna let the live audience know. I'm gonna let those listening on the podcast know. <laughs> So why don't you say goodbye to them while I let my dog in again? Okay.
1: (laughs) Uh, Okay, so that's all the time we have for the live show. Um, We will be uh, back next week at some point. I'm going to Texas next Wednesday for the holidays, but we will be doing a show at some point. We, of course, Miss uh, Bishop PJ of the Pop Culture Variety. But um, we will see you guys next week. Please go to www.rtusports.com and subscribe to the podcast. Or you can go to Stitcher, get the Stitcher app on your phone, your iDevice, and get every episode sent directly to your phone, hot, off the press, hot action. And also uh, check us out on our Blog Talk Radio page. Everybody have a great week. We will go into penalty time in just a second for uh, Brian Calvi. I'm Steve San Pietro signing off on the live podcast, ready to unload, episode number 158. And we're in overtime. Penalty time. Um, I <laughs> I was teasing Brian with the, uh, there's three months left of the off season because there were articles written today that said basically, oh, what are they doing? Flippity flu. You know, the Mets have to do something. and What are they doing? And all of a sudden, there's still time. do I think that they'll be able to do a ton more? I don't, but I, I'm not optimistic, but um i I do think that they there is still time to improve the team uh, for the for the upcoming season. But you know, my buddy Jimmy said it again, I bring him up because he's a great Met fan, and he said you know they're, they're still two two years away from contention, like this was supposed to be a contending year. That's why the Bartolo Colon move didn't make sense to him. This is supposed to be a contending year and yet they're still two, three, two years away from contention because of Matt Harvey. And so you wonder how much else they can do to be a contending team this coming season. Or if there's anything they can to, to be a contending team this coming season. I, for one, am just interested to see what the rest of the offseason brings. I feel like there's a trade there somewhere for Alderson if he will part with uh, a piece of the pitching. And maybe that's what a guy like Cologne allowed. like that, why you give a guy like Cologne two years. I know they're trying to get uh, a young pitcher from the Brewers for Ike Davis. Uh, I think that's what they want. I think they want a young prospect-type pitcher for Ike Davis so they can maybe spin one of their bigger pitchers off in a trade um, and sort of replace that that arm almost immediately. Um, I I just don't know. I will say this. I was a little hard on you about all this. I apologize. No need. Notice I did that on the podcast. Yeah, that's fine. Not on the live portion of the show.
2: When, the, when there were four people.
1: <laughs> do, you understand, do, you, do you understand the, and, and we're going to, I do have two, I have a jet question and a giant question that I do want to ask you. Do you understand the, the, the do, do you know why Lucas Duda might be the starting first baseman for this team?
2: Do I know why?
1: Yeah, can you uh, because bring me in on that? He walks a lot. I see. They sure do like him. They really do. Can you uh, follow up uh, over here? Yeah. Right. Uh, Steve Sanpietro, RTU Sports. Yeah. Hi. Um, great show. Big fan. Um, Thanks. Why would you nice be shirt? <laughs> Thank you. Why would you be trading? It's a V-neck, which I find works well for me because the hair hangs out and it's sexy. Why would you be trading? Is that a medallion you're wearing? <laughs> that is a medallion. <laughs> That's actually an Italian horn.
2: That's the, uh, of course. The Have I disarmed you enough to distract <laughs> you from asking a question? <laughs> That's what we do here.
1: Can, can you explain why you'd be trading Daniel Murphy? In, in a, with a team that has a huge lack of offense? Why, is, uh, why Daniel Murphy needs to be jettisoned?
2: Well, he's very one-dimensional.
1: Yeah, but that, that one dimension, you are lacking. It's called, it's called offense. Right.
2: Well, it'll free, up a, it'll free up a spot to put a leadoff hitter in the lineup because as it, as it stands right now, we don't have a leadoff hitter in our lineup. Right. Nobody to lead off the game, first batter of the game. Nobody, nobody to do that.
1: That's important.
2: Jump right into number two. That's right. That's okay. We're going we're gonna to punt that position.
1: That, uh I don't understand that logic so much. No. Well, you could bat Murphy lead off. Okay. <laughs> Maybe you could. <laughs> We're hey, Terry. Terry Collins is not going to bat Dan Murphy lead off. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Dan Murphy. He doesn't like to be called Dan, Terry. Still, after 4 years, still does not like to be called Dan, by the way. Um, okay, let's, let's jump to the Jets and the Giants. All right. I just have two, two quick questions. Yeah. They're one-liners.
2: Sure.
1: Jets with an outside. So <laughs> I want to do our Rex Ryan watch. Jets with an outside, real super outside shot at the playoffs. Uh, they need to win out, and they need, like, uh, the Ravens to lose three, and I think they may even need, like, this, a CFL team to lose a game. Uh, <laughs> Rex Ryan back next year or not back next year?
2: Uh who knows. It's, you can't from week to week, you can't. After last week, yeah, he'd be back next week. He'll be back next year. He could get blown out in Carolina and then he won't be back next
1: year. I don't it's such a you can't even tell anymore. Do you feel like it's week to week? I really do. Um I I see I feel like these last 3 games are not unless he wins out and makes the playoffs. I don't think these last 3 games are a referendum on keeping him or not keeping him. I think I'm starting to feel like the decision has been made.
2: I, I mean, he's not coming back. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I, would have, I would agree that he shouldn't come back.
1: Yeah, wait till you read the book. Then you'll, no, I'm just saying, then you'll really agree that he shouldn't be back. Because it's sort of, the book we're talking about it is once again, Collision, Low Crossers. makes a great gift. I gave, yeah. it, I gave it to Scott for his birthday, my brother.
2: For his birthday? Yep.
1: His birthday is uh, Friday. Nice. And I gave it to Big Pauly uh, for Christmas.
2: But did you give it to him before Christmas?
1: I have not given it to him yet. All right. So he doesn't have it yet either. He will get it on Christmas Day. Yeah. Just like you will.
2: And, that's, and I'll be reading it on Christmas Day. That's correct. You better be. Oh, yeah. No. I'll, I have to finish it by, by the 26th.
1: I think it confirms many of your worst... Sort of wrecks fears
2: I mean stuff
1: this is stuff that I've been saying for years. yeah, but there's there's absolutely there's some inside baseball stuff though that we didn't know.
2: no, yeah no I'm not, I'm not saying I, I've been saying this for a long time because it's been my speculation. I, right. I've had no way of, of right. knowing what's going on.
1: Now we got the proof
2: it just it always it always felt. And I'll and I'll call back to, 2010. That when it went bad, it was going to go bad. You know, and while That's... he was and while he was winning, it was fine and everybody loved him, and his shtick was great and refreshing. And I was always worried about this about this happening. And
1: yeah, but it's 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 partially his shtick and passion. Uh, and confidence that you'll see in this book. But there's, there's, there's X's and O's stuff and being a complete coach. Again, stuff we've talked well, about.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: That is sort of like... And it's borne out... I mean, this was about the 2011 season and it's been borne out again this year. You know, he said today, he said today in his press conference, somebody pressed him on getting too conservative over that three-game span where Gino you know was just awful.
2: Oh, okay. The, the three games a
1: pass. right? Not okay. the Raiders game, but the three games before, before that. Before that, okay. Where Gino was just terrible, and somebody said, "Do you think you went too far? Do you think you made Gino too conservative and the offense too conservative?" And he said, "Yeah, maybe you could probably say that. You could probably say it, put that on me." This has been going on since two thousand and eleven, mm-hmm. since two thousand and ten. You know, except, you read this in the book, except the Giant game. Where he said after the season, he told the writer, I should have just bleep and told Shadi to run the ball. And I didn't. When Mark Sanchez dropped back 63 times in that Giant game, which they would have won handily had they just won the ball.
2: So you've gotten up to that point? I finished the book. Oh, you did finish
1: it, okay. Yeah, I finished the book. And that that is really the... That game is the turning... Actually, the, the, probably the Broncos game is closer to the turning point in Rex Ryan's tenure as coach. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you have to go back to the Patriot game, though? No. It's really? The, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Bronco game, Cal, because, for two reasons. One, um, that Bronco game, everybody forgets this, but we talked about it at the time. And we've said it for a long time. The schedule makers screwed the Jets. They had the, oh, yeah. they had the Patriots on Sunday night in right. MetLife, the biggest game of the season, and then they made them go to Denver four days later to play on the road, um, to play a road game in Denver on a Thursday night. No team should have to fly from the East Coast to Denver to play in that altitude on short rest. It just shouldn't happen.
2: No, no team has since.
1: That's right. And they were so, when you read it, they were so banged up going into that game. Like they wanted to kill Eric Smith for blowing that, you know, that cover zero and, and letting Tebow score. He couldn't move. He was on like a torn meniscus. Like 90% of his meniscus was torn and he was playing on it.
2: And it didn't help that that, was, that drive had lasted, you know, maybe something was, yards. That was, right.
1: That's the turning point for One reason is, again, they, they lost that game where they should have easily won, and Sanchez threw a really bad pick six. And the, the division between the offense and the defense becomes hugely apparent. And then the other one is, they fell in love with Tebow in that game. Because really? Tebow beat Rex. Huh. And, and Rex and Tannenbaum thought that he would be great competition for Sanchez.
2: So, that explains Explains the mystery of why they brought Tebow in, and everybody wanted to put it on Woody Johnson, and it's not all on Woody Johnson.
1: And when Tannenbaum says, it was my decision, decision. after reading this book, I firmly believe it was his decision. Hmm. Tannenbaum's an interesting character in this book, Cal. He really is. Does he come off as simple? He comes off exactly the way Evan described him. Our buddy Doctor that always described Tannenbaum as the sort of geeky guy who gets to hang around with the cool kids, right? In Rex he's, Ryan,
2: right? He's doing homework
1: for them. That's right. Until he's, but he comes off—he comes off better than that. Like he comes off as more of a football guy than that. Um, maybe more of a football guy than I thought he was. Yeah. Um, and a little more of a sympathetic figure than I thought he was. But in the same breath, really sort of just the, the, the guy who got probably got bullied and now was, like, in a position of bullying with the other jocks. Like, for the first time in his life.
2: And that was intoxicating to him. Yeah,
1: probably. yeah. But
0: anyway...
2: Well, I'm uh, just, and just going back real quick, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to read the book because I had always thought the turning point was the Patriot game because of all of the talk leading up to that game, how the, that, was, that was the game that the Jets were going to finally take over. They were going yeah, they gonna gonna to win that game. They were going to take over and take off, and they lost the game. Yep. And then they lost the Denver game. Then they won a game in there, right?
1: They won um... – they won, yes, but it was maybe the Bills game. Yeah. They won like 28-24 a last-minute touchdown, and San Antonio Holmes and Sanchez didn't even congratulate each other.
0: Right, right, right.
1: And Holmes wasn't running at full speed on the play because he didn't think he was getting the ball.
2: Um, yeah. just, just stuff, like I know.
1: stuff like Plexico Burris gave away almost every play, whether he was getting the ball or not. By the way, he left the huddle. I mean, just, just crazy stuff. All right, well, here's, here's my giant question. Okay. This has come up a lot. So, if you've won two Super Bowls in seven years, right, which the Giants have, which Mike Francesa let us know almost 214 times this week already, and it's only Wednesday,
2: my.
1: Nobody else has done that, Cal, by the way. How many other teams have two Super Bowls in the last seven years? None. How many have four in 25 years? None. Which is probably not accurate. Uh, how ma- well,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, four, four, four Super Bowls, five trips, you know, blah, you giant fans have nothing to complain about. Zero to complain about. And Coach Coughlin should decide when he leaves. So my question to you is: So you can't, if you're a Giant fan paying you know fifteen thousand dollars a year for your seat or whatever, and and you've been going for forty years, and you're about to not make the playoffs for the fourth time in five years, and Eli Manning's having an awful year, awful. You're not you're not allowed to even say anything. Can't question anything.
2: No, obviously that's wrong. You should be allowed... As a fan, you're allowed to say whatever you want.
0: Yeah. I, I, there's,
2: no, there's no law that says you can't complain about your team just because you've won a Super Bowl. Or but seek changes. Sure. My, my, my point on that, and I agree with you, but my point is that because it's such a foreign concept to me, I would think you would have a little more... You would give them a little more leeway. You wouldn't... Like, the complaints... And the issues that you have wouldn't be so serious
1: no no absolutely, you know what I mean. You shouldn't be complaining the way a jet fan complains
2: right right,
1: but, right. It doesn't, you, but they're not sh-
2: exempt, they're not exempt from criticism
1: yeah can, can are you not allowed to talk about it? Can we have a conversation about whether Coughlin should be brought back next year, or you can't you can't you know he's won two Super Bowls in seven years, you can't say anything. They haven't had a losing record in ten years, oh, uh, okay. They they also are about to not make the playoffs for the fourth time in five years, right? Yeah, we we can't have a conversation about a sixty-eight year old coach or whatever he is.
2: We can.
1: I just I Maybe I don't think that, I don't think that's fair to the Giant fans. I think the Giant fan's taking a lot of unnecessary crap right now because their team is look they were zero six they won four games in a row against terrible teams. You know, and, and you know, back, you know, the, the likes of—I uh, don't even remember the kid's name from Green Bay, Scott Tolzien.
2: That was what you take when you can't sleep.
1: That's right. No. or it's no. a, it's, I, I've decided it's also a cracker, a Tolzien cracker, or oh, a nice piece of cheese on it. Do you have any Tolzien? Um, yeah, I think you should be allowed to say something think you should be allowed to at least have the conversation we can't have a conversation about Eli Manning we can't he's elite I don't know if you heard Christmas trees sorry anyway that was my question about the Giants uh, yeah, we, we so can much. we can wrap would you like to wrap up oh
2: you want to wrap
1: yeah we can do the Christmas thing next week with PJ
2: well,
1: I think we got to move the show to, to Tuesday Nick. Next week. Okay. Are you free? Can you pencil me in or what?
0: Because
1: I, I, I go to Texas on Wednesday.
2: Well, I'm doing it wait.
1: When- yeah, yeah, I'm not... I, I could do the show from Texas.
2: No, I wouldn't
1: suggest that you do that. <laughs> okay, yeah, probably a good idea. Hey, will you be watching Ryan Strom tomorrow night in his debut as a New York Islander? Watch. What was that?
2: A watch, but don't get me started on them.
1: No, I wouldn't dare. You didn't hear
2: that? That's. A, I, I will not get you
1: started on them.
2: No. Yeah. I, I his debut. All right. Fine. But there's another, another coach where one win buys him thirty games. <laughs> it's like Quite a gig
1: if you can get it final unload
2: uh, you know I gotta be patient with this Met team and the, and the brain trust the Ivy League educated brain trust putting this team together I'll be fair and I'll check back in a month or so and see what they're doing maybe they got a plan and they're gonna work this all out so there there's my bone
1: And my, (laughs) my final unload is, so there's a, there's another Godzilla coming out. Have you seen a trailer for this?
0: No. Saw
1: the trailer for Godzilla, May of 2014. Look. Starring The Rock? Look, just get it right. Okay, enough. Enough. I also saw one of the greatest trailers of all time for a Jason Bateman movie Doctor oh. <laughs> called Bad Words he directed uh, that movie too he directed it too uh, there just seems to be a lot, of, uh, a lot of movies that again I'm out, I'll never see and uh, that sort of depresses me so if somebody can let me know if Godzilla's good next year it'd be great I'll be at City Field with my Curtis Granderson jersey on Number three in your program, number one in your heart. Welcome, Curtis. And thank you for taking a swipe at Yankee fans. Good job. Number
2: two on their payroll. <laughs>
1: Had to get that in.
2: No. I gave you a bone.
1: We'll see you next week, everybody. Mmm, Coco. butter.